Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. The American Civil War saw upwards of 300,000 desertions between the Union and Confederate militaries. The Union Army, which boasted approximately 2.5 million men, had about 200,000 deserters. And the Confederate Army, which numbered less than 1 million strong, was affected by an even greater percentage with over 100,000 men abandoning their units. There are numerous motivations as to why a soldier might attempt to leave. From fear for one's life, a desire to escape harsh conditions, or even just the want to return home to take care of their life and family who have carried on without them. But of course, during war, one of the most significant crimes a serviceman can commit, no matter the reason, is abandoning his post. And this crime has often been punished by death. This is the basis of one of the most infamous ghost stories of Alabama romantic tale of a Confederate soldier hanged for suspected desertion after he returned home to the small town of Newton, Alabama to care for his ailing wife. A man named William Skeeto. My name is Brandon Schecksneider. You are listening to Southern Gothic.
William Henry Skeeto was born on June 8, 1818, in South Carolina. He was the son of John Skeeto and one of eight siblings raised in South Carolina after his father emigrated to the United States from Madrid, Spain. Legend says that William, or as he was more famously known, Bill, arrived in Dale County, Alabama when he was a boy traveling with his father. However, no records were found of Bill's presence there until he received a land grant in 1852, 10 years after his father's death in South Carolina. While the 1860 census record shows Bill's profession to be a farmer, owning 240 acres of land near Newton. It is commonly believed that his primary vocation was as a circuit rider for the Methodist Church, a minister who served not just one community, but rather many towns and settlements across several states. Skeeto's area of focus was said to be the Wiregrass region which included parts of southern Georgia, southeastern Alabama, and the Florida Panhandle. And it is very possible that it was these travels that brought him and his wife, Sarah Clemens, to Alabama with their children. Unfortunately, on December 3rd, 1864, William Skeeto was hanged. But to this day, the truth as to why remains a mystery. The legend of Bill Skeeto's hanging has numerous versions. However, the most well-known and widely accepted telling of the tale is found in Catherine Tucker Wyndham's book, 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey. Wyndham wrote that at the outbreak of the Civil War, William Skeeto, like many men, joined the Confederate Army and served dutifully until the fall of 1864, when he received word that his beloved wife Sarah was seriously ill. Thus, out of concern for his ailing wife and their children, Skeeto vowed to return home to his family. But on the afternoon of December 3rd, 1864, as he crossed the wooden bridge over the Choctawhatchee River, north of Newton, Skeeto was stopped by the town's home guard, a group of men serving as a local militia under the command of the Confederate Army. It is said that he offered up his papers to the men, showing that he was not abandoning the army, but rather had paid for a substitute man to serve in his place so he could return to his distressed family. But the home guard, led by a man named Joseph Brer, refused to believe Skeeto's claim and decided to hang him for deserting the Confederate army. 
Brer and his men drag Skeeto into the nearby woods where they beat him and forced him to crawl through the sand while they prepared to kill him. Eventually, he was dragged up off the ground and into a waiting buggy. One end of the rope was thrown around the limb of a nearby post oak tree and the other tied into a noose to be looped around Skeeto's neck. It is said at this time, a friend of Skeeto's happened upon the scene and attempted to stop the lynching, but the home guard would not be swayed from their decision. And after threatening the man's life, Skeeto's friend ran off towards town in search of assistance. But the appearance of Skeeto's friend unsettled the group, who quickly became anxious to get on with the hanging before anyone else could interrupt. Then, when Br'er asked if William Skeeto had any last words, he chose to pray. But to the group's dismay, he prayed not for himself, but rather for the forgiveness of the men who were about to kill him. Infuriated, Joseph Br'er lashed at the horse hitched to the buggy, and the cart sprang forward, leaving Skeeto dangling from the tree branch. But William Skeeto was not dead. In the home guard's haste to carry out the execution, they failed to take into account Skeeto's physical size. He was a tall man, and his weight bent the oak tree's limb just enough that as he dangled there, his feet brushed along the ground. George Eccles, an injured veteran of the war and one of Brer's men, was quick to react. Grabbing at one of his crutches to dig a hole beneath Skeeto's feet, a hole said to be about 30 inches wide and eight inches deep. This was the final act to cause William Skeeto's death. The men then left his body to hang from the oak tree until the next morning when he was cut down and buried in the nearby Mount Carmel Cemetery. The epitaph on his tombstone read, Gone, but not forgotten. Unfortunately, William Skeeto's death was far from the end of his story. Rumors of Skeeto's ghost being sighted near the place of his murder started almost immediately after his death. Yet more disturbing is that the hole that had been dug beneath his feet quickly became known as the hole which would not stay filled. Catherine Tucker Wyndham wrote, Almost immediately after the hanging, curious people began visiting the site of the tragedy. As time went by, they observed that the hole dug by the crutch did not fill up as an ordinary hole would have done, and there were whisperings that Skeeto's ghost was returning to the spot to keep the hole clean. 
Some claim that it was merely Skeeto's friends who kept the hole clean, particularly a local named Wash Reynolds. But either way, it is this part of the legend, the hole which would not stay filled, that has kept the memory of Bill Skeeto alive to this day. But as is the case for many tales that have been told countless times over the years, history provides a much different type of narrative as to what actually happened to the man who was hanged on December 3rd, 1864. And much of the skepticism concerning this story revolves around the question of whether or not Bill Skeeto actually deserted the Confederate Army or if he was ever even a part of it in the first place. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say... Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Y'all, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about one of my favorite nonprofit organizations here in Middle Tennessee. It's called Poster Nashville. Now, this organization supports people during times of housing or medical crises by providing compassionate, temporary care for their pets. That's right. Poster helps secure loving homes for beloved little furballs when their human companions are going through things that might otherwise cause them to have to give them up. But since Poster began back in 2020, they've been able to reunite nearly 250 pets with their loving pet parents after they were able to secure housing, keeping families together, through tough times. Of course, y'all, I have to say from personal experience, it's been an awesome program to be around. My kids and I have been fortunate enough to hang out with some of the pups, and trust me, what Poster is doing through a devoted network of volunteers is absolutely heartwarming. So if you'd like to help, Poster is in the middle of their annual fundraiser right now, trying to hit a goal of $20,000, and it would mean the world to me if you'd consider helping us get there. All you got to do is visit southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. That's right, southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. At the beginning of the war the Confederacy relied heavily on recruiting, and the majority of its servicemen were volunteers. But the sheer size and overwhelming manpower of the Union put the South at an incredible disadvantage, forcing Southern states to employ all means possible to ensure the size of their military. So on April 16, 1862, the Confederacy passed the first American law of national conscription, declaring that all white males of the Confederate states between the ages of 18 to 35 were members 
of the Confederate Army for three years of service. Then, within a month of the law's enactment, it was pushed even farther, with the addition of all men between 35 to 45 to be pressed into service as well. There were, however, some ways to legally avoid conscription. Those who held specifically identified service-oriented jobs could be allowed exemption. A drafted man could also choose to hire a substitute to serve in his place or even pay a commutation fee to avoid enlistment. When these laws were enacted in 1862, William Skeeto would have been about 44 years old, and if he hadn't already volunteered for service, he would have therefore been eligible for conscription. But unfortunately, a lack of documentation calls the story of Skeeto's military service into question, as he does not appear on any muster rolls and his widow on no pension documents. One possible reason to explain how he may have avoided serving the military were these loopholes in the conscription laws. If he were in fact a minister, a service-oriented career, Skeeto would have been able to avoid being drafted, allowing him the enviable position of being able to decide whether or not he wanted to join the Confederate Army as legally he was not required to. But whether this was the case or not, it is extremely likely that Bill Skeeto was never actually in the army, never even in the position to desert, as legend suggests. As for the paperwork that he is said to have presented upon being questioned by the Newton Home Guard, that is unlikely to be accurate as well. At the time, hiring a man to serve in the military on your behalf was legal and accepted within both the Union and Confederate militaries. However, in early 1864, the Confederacy repealed its substitution laws. Thereby, men in the military could serve only on behalf of themselves and not any other. So when William Skeeto was returning to Newton, Alabama in late 1864, substitution was no longer legal. And the idea of formal paperwork acknowledging his military leave by way of substitution is questionable at best. Some historians and storytellers have also theorized the motive for Skeeto's murder was that as a minister, he may have been harboring anti-Confederate sympathies and possibly participated in actions with Union raiders in the area surrounding Newton. Throughout the Civil War, the town of Newton, Alabama, was largely considered lawless 
the local courts held no sessions for upwards of two years, as many of the men were away fighting in the army. So the nearby pine forests became havens for Confederate deserters and vocal Unionists. And among these Unionists in the forests were groups of men who were known to emerge from the woods and terrorize Newton's residents. It was for this reason that Newton's home guard was formed to protect the area. In parallel to the legend, Joseph Brayer was in fact the commander of this unit. Sometimes described as a quote, Englishman, he had moved to Newton in the 1850s and during the war served as a lieutenant in Company E, 15th Alabama Infantry of the Army of Northern Virginia, which had been recruited out of Dale County. Brayer was captured at the Battle of Gettysburg and later exchanged back home, where upon his return, he became the leader of this local unit, which became known as the Buttermilk Rangers. In addition to protecting the town, Brayer and his men also served the Confederate Conscription Department, making it their duty to hunt down and punish deserters. Historian David Williams posits that in light of this, William Skeeto may have been suspected of helping a man named John Ward, who was the local leader of a group of deserters and pro-Union guerrilla fighters. Two months prior to Skeeto's death, John Ward and his men ambushed and destroyed a Confederate ammunition transport train, causing at least one Confederate officer to be killed. In response, John Brayer and his men executed two men by hanging for their alleged collaboration in the attack on the munitions train. It's said that there was a third man to also be hanged, but the action was halted by a Confederate officer, citing a lack of sufficient evidence. Yet Brer seemingly wasn't finished, and it was mere days after the execution of these two men when William Skeeto was stopped on the wooden bridge over the Choctahatchee River. To this day, not one piece of hard evidence has been publicly produced to support Brayer's accusation for treason. As for the men who carried out this vicious murder of the Methodist minister, it is said that each who was present died violent, unnatural deaths shortly after. One man was struck by lightning, one 
found dead in a nearby swamp, and another was killed when a mule ran off with him. George Eccles, the injured man who dug the infamous hole beneath Skeeto's feet, was shot and killed in a raid on a local Unionist home. And most notably, Joseph Brer was killed during a thunderstorm when he was knocked from his horse by a tree limb and killed. Some say the tree was a post oak, the same kind of tree from which he had William Skeeto hanged. Today, the site of William Skeeto's hanging lies beneath the Alabama Highway 134 bridge over the Choctahatchee River, which was built in 1979. However, a 1990 flood of the region forced engineers to reinforce the riverbank with tons of rock. And for the first time in over a century, the hole was filled. And this time, for good. In addition, the original bronze marker commemorating the location of the incident was moved to the Newton Museum in the Newton Library. Now, all that remains of the legend of William Skeeto's death is a plaque placed nearby at the John Hutto Park in 2006 by both the Newton Historical Society and Skeeto's descendants. And it remains there today as a reminder the tragic death of a man whose story continues to be told almost a century and a half later. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast created by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksneider with the support of listeners like you. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to receive even more content, including ad-free episodes, head over to our Patreon page today. The link is in the show notes. Lucky Lady Shacks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. 
Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. 